Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. We got a great show planned for you. Uh, Going to be talking about uh, how to deal with the most common problems that pop up in relationships. Yeah, it's often the same stuff. It's a good thing and a bad thing. I remember a long time ago, uh, my own therapist. This was, this was a long time ago this uh, person that I worked with back in New York City, amazing therapist. And he said something that uh, always stuck with me. He said, you know, life, it's always, it's always something. It's always going to be something different, something new. And he said, that's normal. You expect that. He said, so I don't worry about people that come in every week and there's something new. He said, I worry about people where they come in every week and it's always the same thing. And what he was basically saying was just this idea that a lot of us aren't aware of what our work is. And so we just unconsciously keep moving through the world, creating the same problems, often with the same people, even sometimes in the same relationship, which if it's with the same people, clearly it's the same relationship. However, uh, sometimes that we spread it out, it's the same thing we enact with everyone. But that's why it's important to really have a sense of ourselves. And, um, you know, not everyone has access to therapy, but those that do, awesome. Those that don't the work still exists, which is what I often try to present on the show is like, what can we do so that we don't move through the world, always creating the same issues, but become aware of what our work is so as to work through it, resolve it, overcome it, or sometimes just track it to know um, when we're about to step into it to try to create choice. Because remember, you know, there is a space, <laughs> believe it or not, a lot of us, the way we move through the world and act don't seem to know this, but there is a space between stimuli or trigger and our response. And the work of mental health is about actually expanding that space so that if you're triggered or upset by something, something occurs, that you're actually able to pause for a moment, breathe, keep your uh, executive functioning online and say, hey, you know, of all, I have a lot of options as to how to respond to whatever just happened. Which one do I want to choose? Which one would be uh, most beneficial? Which one would create the least suffering? Which one would be effective and in, and in service of and aligned with my value systems and my goals? And then you'd step into that. That that space does exist. It's just for some people, it's barely there or not there at all, or you know, but a few seconds. And healthy people, they just they they stand there and they say nothing. They move slow. Um. Tracking was my point is that sometimes the work is just about awareness and tracking um, awareness of what the work is and when it should occur is also the first step in behavior change. So we're going to be talking about the main problems though. Um, 
there's a couple that all the couples that come into, you know, our offices for couples with marital therapy tend to be bumping around and uh, struggling with. So we're going to talk about what those are just so you can kind of eliminate those and then talk about what is the work in resolving that. And this really becomes a topic about a lot of different things. It's relational health. It's being more aware of ourselves. It's um, also applying some acceptance and mindfulness. Um, lots of really good stuff. So the first thing I want to just call out, though, is remember when we're in a difficult relationship, we don't always have that many options. And the first option is always you can leave. You can stay and try to change whatever you can. But staying and changing whatever you can will often mean, excuse me, accepting what you cannot change. Because part of every relationship is accepting elements that cannot be resolved or improved. And then finally, you can stay and keep doing the same thing that makes you, you know, miserable and maybe even makes the relationship worse. So, you know, again, it's that fine line between acceptance and change. And a lot of uh, change can only occur once we've actually accepted, but we'll talk about that more later. And um, that's kind of what the work is. You can't have more than one of those options at the same time, unfortunately. I think the saddest thing to watch is people in a relationship where change could occur. And instead, they just decide to keep doing the same thing endlessly for decades, making each other miserable. Um, anytime at least one person within any relational system is willing to make any kind of improvement, that inherently changes all partners involved because the entire, the entire system is different and you're responding to different input. So that's why I think there's something really powerful. Um, preferably everyone within any relational system is willing to do the work. <laughs> but if not, at least one or two of them um, stepping in can create really powerful shift. And that acceptance word, which throws so many people off, and it's nothing, nothing inherently to be afraid of. I think it's a really, really powerful tool to apply. But um, yeah, so we'll be talking about that. Um, and then I think that was it. Yeah. Okay. Just looking ahead. Um, but we'll also be doing some DMS closing out the show with some DMS and also doing some, uh, Mitch show. So if you've got some DMS for us, drop in the DMS on our love line, IG page, things you want us to hit every time you're asking a question, you're helping other people as well. So you're helping them as you're helping yourself. And, um, maybe you want us to hit a topic that we haven't covered before. We're always happy to hear what you want us to talk about. Put that in the DMS also on our love line NG page. And you can also put in there something that maybe you want us to circle back and drop deeper into sometimes something that's maybe more interesting or meaningful to you is, but a, um, you know, a, a quick spice sprinkled on the meal. That is the topic. And we're always happy to circle back and drop deeper into it. So let us know. And then of course, past episodes are over at, we are channel scroll down, look for love line, click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share. Um, cause again, as I always say, the work is about unlearning and then relearning new perspectives, dismantling those former ways of seeing things that have not really gotten us to be the person we want to be or to the places we want to be. But um, all right, stick around. We're going to be talking about all the things uh, or the most common things that go wrong in relationships and of course how to resolve them. You'll listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back talking about some of the most common things that couples struggle with. Um, you know, again, I was saying in the first episode or earlier segment that a therapist I worked with a long, long, long time ago was talking about how he, he worries less about those that always have a new issue because that's just kind of the way the world works. Life is like that. There's always something new. But for those that are always stumbling over the same things, they're just not quite getting it, learning their lesson uh, or, or, or practicing or really applying the work. Uh, it's something I have to talk to uh, some patients in my practice about is that the, the, the quality of your life sometimes, I mean, there's always other factors at play, but oftentimes the quality of your life is rooted in the quality of your practice. Are you, are you working on the stuff? Are you, you know, between sessions applying what comes up in session? you know, the, the work, the, the changes you're looking for, the transformation. Yeah. Sometimes it's solely existing in and takes place within therapy, but a lot of times, uh, you know, that happens, but what you go do all the other hours, <laughs> the many, many more hours, the many, many other days is what really determines whether or not you improve. Um, you have to go out and apply, you have to internalize, you have to have corrective experiences. So we can all be doing that. And, um, that's how we resolve the same things that we're constantly stumbling over and bumping into. So there's something powerful in hearing the same thing said to you all the time. There might be something in that to look at. If you've been told by people you've dated or you know friends you socialize with a lot of the same critiques, look at that. Which is why I'm always, always, always advocating for any time we end or leave a relationship to look back at it, to learn about who we are and what's possible. Because however you acted, although it might have been co-created in that relationship and very situational and contextual to you and that person, because yes, we often co-create things. Our personality styles often a reaction to or a response or a co-creation, all those we're spending time with. However, there's something very powerful about looking back and saying, okay, but I can also see what is possible. I can learn what some of my triggers are that might be, might be, you know, uh, activated again down the road and I want to resolve that. So I always say, look at the past relationships and say, who was I that I'm proud of that I want to be again? What are the things I want to make sure I recreate and take forward? And then the inverse or the opposite, I guess. What are the parts of myself that I'm not proud of that I don't feel good about that I would never want to bring forward into another person's life or a new relationship and, and working on that and tracking that. Outside of that, though, there's a couple of problems um, that tend to be pretty common within couples and marital work. But again, these, as always, can apply to familial relationships, social relationships, sexual relationships, professional relationships, um, disconnection, reactivity, avoidance, and neglecting values, and then also judgment. And we'll kind of break down what each of those is, but let's start with the first one, disconnection. Um, 
that can be sometimes the primary issue that this couple just doesn't find a lot of powerful moments where they intersect or connect or um, build deep intimacy. And the work isn't about just getting back to connection. It's also about understanding how you got there so as to make sure that you don't find yourself there again. Um, is it that you stopped making your partner in the relationship important or a priority? Is it that you've maybe let another priority kind of come in place of your partner or your relationship? That can very much lead to disconnection. What else can? Undealt with or problematic drug and alcohol use. Mental health issues that aren't being examined or dealt with, those can also start to lead to disconnection or distancing from a partner or relationship. You know, life events like stressors, um, any life event, let's just say that any stressful or massive life event, like I said, putting other priorities before your partner, um, really, really, really kind of pushing your partner into second or third place. A lot of that can start to create disconnection. Um, mental health, drug and alcohol, check in on that. Technology use. Again, that's one that we're talking obsessively about because I'm telling you in a bulk of couples that becomes the issue that um, a lot of the other relational dynamics are played out within or around. You know, lack of good communication skills, you can see played out in frustrations around technology, lack of self-regulatory skills, um, some other issues, and uh, really looking at, well, how did we come to be here? But also just acknowledging it by giving it a label can start to really give it direction and can help you start to look at what the solution might be. Um, we're feeling disconnected. Is it about not wanting to be a part of that relationship? Is it about not wanting to spend time with that person? Or like I said, is it peripheral stuff? Really looking at what's driving this because you don't want to just bypass. There's this term called psychological bypassing or spiritual bypassing, which is when instead of really trying to understand the situation as to, again, how we got there and the impacts and all of that, motivating forces, we just try to kind of skirt that work, that deeper work, and we just go to a solution. And sometimes that's very reasonable. You know, it might just be a matter of we just aren't prioritizing each other, so let's start to do that. You know, bam, done. But then other times it might be, like I said, some one of the partners or both not really looking at a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol or mental health or something like that. And to just start working on connection without understanding how we got there would be to not really have to confront or face drug and alcohol. And then even the technology use. Um, is there something going on in our, is there something going on in our relationship, which has led us to want to disconnect with technology again, versus just bypassing that and saying, let's just put our technology down. Let's just spend more face to face time together. Okay. But then we missed out on looking at those other pieces because again, if your relationship and your partner are important to you, you might notice that disconnection earlier on and it doesn't become a deeper or more, you know, ongoing issue. So if this is something that's been prevalent for a while, so I want to really ask yourself, what is that? a solution for, like I'm using that as a way to solve something, what might that be? And then saying, and how can we start to recenter what our priorities are or, you know, recalibrate our time together and whatnot. All right, so we're going to take a little break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about the uh, key problems that, uh, you know, relationships tend to encounter over and over. Because like I said, if you keep having the same issues, that means you're not really tackling it appropriately. And then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit again, circle back to, drop deeper into, let us know. We're always happy to hear from you. And past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. Lots of good stuff over there. But um, yeah, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We're coming back.
All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about some of the most common relational issues that couples tend to stumble with or get in deep with over and over again. Now, the beauty of that is that uh, <laughs> this is going to apply to most people because it's the same uh, couple things. But for other people, they might say, oh, my gosh, it's all of them. And that's OK. If we can identify the issues, then we can start to move towards a solution. But if you can't put a label on something, it's really hard to track it, call it out. And like I said, really work on figuring out, you know, what led us to this, but then also what is the path out? So the first thing we were talking about was disconnection. That tends to be one of the top issues. I don't feel important. I don't feel like we're spending time together. I don't think the time that we spend together is of worth or quality. Um, just being able to identify as that is like, all right, well, how did we come to be here? Is it that we're not enjoying time together? Is it that we're putting the kids or hobbies or work before our relationship? Is it that we're tired? Or is it just that we're not planning fun things to go do together? How did we come to be? How did we come to get here? And again, maybe the solution is simple. The issue was never that deep. And it's just about saying like, hey, let's put something on the calendar. Let's block out some time each night. Let's spend some time together without technology. What? I know the T word, technology. Because remember, intimacy is about shared experiences. It needs, oh, there's two things. There's two frameworks to always keep in your mind when you think about intimacy. Actually, there's three. <laughs> I swear it's not hard and I repeat things over and over so as to get people to really build them in. So there is the first one, which is intimacy uh, or to feel very close to someone is about eye contact, touch, and time together. I'll circle back to that. Well, actually, let me just stay with that one for a second. Um, so contact, touch, and, and uh, time together is the first one to sit with. And I always say this example that you can be you know, on an airplane flying to wherever for many hours sitting next to someone and you have not built intimacy. Just because your body is geographically or physically close does not mean intimacy is being built. <laughs> intimacy is about you know things far outside of all that and that's what happens in some relationships they're like well we live together or you know we're on our phones together on the couch or they talk about things that are about proximity and I'm like yeah that doesn't count but like awesome I'm glad you have that are you making eye contact and then they're like well whoa and I'm like yes you're using a lot of things that are getting in the way of that and we're gonna we're gonna come up to that when we talk about avoidance it sounds very similar to disconnection, but it's actually a little different. And we'll come back to that. But basically, if, you can, if you're not making eye contact, you're not going to really feel close. And that's why with people that are in long-distance relationships, I always say to them, FaceTime, texting and phone calls will not make you feel as close. And we're getting very familiar with intimacy or relationality or connection that really doesn't have the necessary pieces. So it's not as robust. So make eye contact, which means coming home and, and sitting there and looking at each other on the couch, at the table or whatever it is and saying, how was your day? And then touch, holding their hands, putting your hand on their shoulder, cuddling, um, and then time together, quality time together. So the, make sure you're building those in as often as possible. Say to yourself every day, we should be doing something that allows touch time together and eye contact. It doesn't have to be for long. And that's what will keep us and make us feel close. You can apply that with anyone via FaceTime and things like that. That's why I say meet up with your friends, go for coffee. Okay. So that's the first part of intimacy. The other piece is we're sharing things that make us anxious. And that is why you'll sometimes see people out for a meal and they're sitting in silence. And I don't mean the comfortable, secure, confident silence, which is a beautiful thing. I mean the uncomfortable silence because no one is willing to actually build intimacy. They, again, just think our bodies are here. And yes, every now and then we make some eye contact. But that we, we at some point share all the very safe superficial things or we lose interest in each other because we're only sharing business news and weather. Business news and weather. That's what I tell people to talk about when they're in uncomfortable or unsafe or rig, really tri triggering spaces. Like when I'm working with someone, when I used to, many, many years ago, I worked at an inpatient drug and alcohol treatment center and we'd say to the clients, you know, 
a lot of family triggers. You're here to work on recovery and to stay grounded. When you talk to your friends or family member while here, just talk about business news and weather. Nothing triggering. Just keep it easy. That's how a lot of couples live. You see them quietly sitting at a dinner table or at the dinner table on their phones because no one's willing to drop into the deeper levels, which often are about anxiety. So that's the second part of intimacy building is it often makes you a little anxious because you're going deeper, you're being vulnerable, you're sharing, you're dropping below that surface. So make sure you are stepping into that anxiety a little bit. It even sometimes, if it's about a difficult topic, sounds like, hey, this is gonna be hard to hear, this is really hard to say, but I need you to know, and you make a declaration. So again, that anxiety, going to your anxiety is the second part of the intimacy triad that I'm kind of making up as I go right now. And then the third piece I said a minute ago, which is shared experience. If you're both on your phones, that is not a shared experience. You are both having two separate experiences on your two separate phones, but yes, your bodies are near each other. If we're watching a television show, we are at an art exhibit together. We are going for a walk, looking around at nature. We are grocery shopping. We are folding laundry. Um, we are having a shared experience. We can easily access each other. We are focused on the same thing. We can talk about it. That's important. So again, it's eye contact, touch, and time together. Getting going into dropping down into things that make you a little anxious because they have vulnerability tied to them, and then finally shared experiences, and all of those can be rolled up into one thing or separate. But that's what I assess for. So if a couple says we have great intimacy, you know, we sleep together, we're in the same home, and we have dinner, I'm like, great. Are you making eye contact and touching each other? Is it a shared experience? And are you sharing really vulnerable, honest parts of yourselves of what you're thinking, what you're wanting, what you're feeling, things you've never brought forward? That all creates the three prongs of what really build deep intimacy. So a lot of people live in disconnection because they're never doing any of that. And again, we wanna know why. All right, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've come to realize that my partner thrives in anger. Seems like sometimes they pick fights on purpose. Sometimes they admit that that's exactly what they're doing, but other times they don't even seem to know. I'm a very calm person, which means they don't get the reaction they want, which then makes them even more upset. Really do love them, but I feel like I'm coming to my limit as to how much of this I can take. Are there ways I can talk about this without causing an argument? Let me just start by saying um, very difficult kind of personality style to be around. So I want to first just empathize with you. Um, and I like your response. Very loving. You're saying, is there any way I can still, you know, try to make this work? Um, you're being very kind in the way you're framing it, which is very, very nice to hear. Because as I said, very difficult kind of personality style to be around. My sense is you probably don't know what's going to upset them. You never know when it's coming. Um often not quick to resolve. Because remember, mental health is about what? Um, how react, how sensitive we are, how easily upset, then how reactive we are when we're you know, easily upset, how extreme and how much do we crank our response up, and then how quick to equilibrium. How long does it take us to chill out and get to baseline? People that thrive in anger are usually very sensitive, very irritable. The smallest things set them off. They're always angry at everything. Then they're very reactive, which means when they're easily set off, they respond to things that should be a two or a three that are mere disappointment or frustrations, they crank it up and everything's an eight, a nine, or a 10, completely out of control. And then time to balance. It tends to take them a long time to chill out, if at all. 
if they're highly irritable, it's always kind of percolating. So again, you're walking on eggshells. You never know when they're going to attack. You're afraid to take them into certain spaces and certain places. It's, it's hard. And your mental health is impacted by their mental health. So this is a serious thing. But then I also empathize with that angry person. No one chooses that. No one directly says, I want to be angry. I want to make myself uncomfortable, miserable. I want to make those around me uncomfortable, miserable. So I empathize with both of you, always. Um, the most difficult people in our lives are usually very traumatized, wounded, hurt people. Um, there is a lot of true, truth to hurt people, hurt people. You know, people that are doing well and thriving and have resolved, they tend to be calm and happy and peaceful. So this person has to understand what it is that's making them so unregulated. So there's a lot of work in that. They have to learn how to be less sensitive. They have to learn how to tolerate. Basically, here's the work. Learning how to tolerate discomfort. Learning how to regulate better. Learning how to accept things that can't be changed. And learning how to right-size things. Having really an appropriate response. But that's a lot of work. This person is going to have to really do some work. They might need some therapy to work through that. So that's where you come in. You know, you really want to find some very calm, loving moments to help them connect with the fact that this isn't working for them and it's also not working for you. And you saying this is a relationship I can't continue to be a part of if this isn't worked on might be the motivating force they need. You're not threatening. It's not an ultimatum. You're lovingly just sharing. And that's a boundary. Remember, boundaries are about us. Boundaries don't control other people. Boundaries are never us telling someone what they can or can't do. That's control. Boundaries are us saying what you're going to do. And that, that would be you saying, I won't be a part of a relationship if this isn't worked on. I won't be a part of a relationship where I can't feel safe. And if that is how this relationship continues to feel, I'm going to exit. And, you, and that's what you do. Um, but first, I love you trying to, when they're calm, bringing this up and saying how hard it is and how hard it must be for them. Trying to get them ha to have some empathy for how it impacts you. If they can't even connect to that, then you have a deeper issue. And then you might want to just say, hey, you know, it's really important that we get some couples issue, you know, a couples therapy to work on these issues because they're not really getting resolved. That's why I always go to that first. Couples therapy would be great for the two of you. The therapist can help this person, you know, kind of hold up a mirror and help them learn about themselves. Or like I said, you trying to get them to empathize what it's like for you and for them to empathize with themselves and to understand that it's not making them lead this happy, grounded life uh, might be a motivating force. Outside of that, I would just say continue to set boundaries by stepping away when that occurs. You don't need to be present for that. And you can make that known also at a very calm time. Hey, when you step into that angry mode, I'm going to be stepping outside and away from that because it's not safe for me. But it's hard because basically your question is, how do I change someone else? And we can't. All we can do is try to get them to empathize with our position and how it impacts us. We can try to support them and we can also set boundaries. And that's it. It's hard. A lot of people would love to be able to change others, but we can't. So that's what we do. All right, y'all. That is our uh, DMs. If you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit. More to come, though, y'all. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We are back, and we're talking about common relational issues that most people fall into. Talk about how life is always bringing something new forward. Change is the only you know thing that you can really count on, and so we're gonna always be bumping into new stuff. But if it's always the same thing, then you're just not being mindful enough, or you're not willing to do the work, or you're not really stepping into the practice, and that's so important. So. 
if you're always struggling with disconnection in your prior relationships or consistently in your current one, f- try to figure out why that is. And then we kind of talked in the earlier segment about you know some perspectives on that. The next one is uh, reactivity. Reactivity is another common issue in some relationships. We need two adults in the room at all times. If we can't have two adults in the room at all times, we need at least one because that's the mandatory rule. One adult in the room at all times. If both of you are turning into children and your lower selves and very active, well, the, the ship, the plane's never getting off the ground. And so one of you has to always stay regulated, if not both. And that's the work is using verbiage and tone that communicates the person I'm talking to is someone I care about is always mandatory. That is called being relational. I always say to my clients, do it relationally, which means, again, you're honoring that you have a loving relationship with this person and it looks and it sounds that way. We're going to do another show down the week, down in the week or maybe next week on uh, verbal and emotional abuse. And some couples have normalized that where they're familiar with name calling and putting each other down and gossiping. And it's like. That is never acceptable. The relationship should be placed on pause immediately. The fact that it's emotionally or verbally abusive abusive should be identified and worked on or that relationship has to be over, maybe some couples therapy. But that that is an extreme version of the reactivity. I'm talking about the more watered down version where we just keep heating each other up and we keep pumping that gas pedal, coming in hot. And we know from very robust research that how you begin a conversation has a huge impact on how it ends and how safe it is. Start soft. Don't come in hot. Come in calm and soft. And don't share information or material that hasn't been thought through and digested. So being reactive is never a way to enter a conversation. What you need to do is first say, all right, (laughs) what am I thinking or feeling? Then right size it on the scale of zero to 10. What number of intensity does this warrant? It's usually a very low number. And let me bring it in at that energy, like a two or three. I'm frustrated or I'm disappointed and we got to talk about something. And then after you right size it, that means you've started to work with it. Then you start soft. And I always say, connect before you critique or correct. That's for parent and child. And that's for two adults as well start soft and start loving. Don't come in hot. Be like, Hey, how was your day? We haven't really caught up yet. And they'll be like, it's, it's okay. Great. You know, my day was kind of funky, blah, blah, blah. And then you're talking, you're connecting and say, can I bring something up? And they're like, sure. Now that we feel safe and we feel connected. Now you can then bring in this difficult conversation. But some people just come in at a 10 out of nowhere and they are shocked that their partner isn't open or able to receive that. So start soft digest it a little bit by right-sizing it and connect first. I know these sound like very advanced skills, but it's important. I know it's a lot to think about, but we are working on having healthier, safer, more comfortable adult relationships and conversations. And that's how we know that we're doing that are those pieces. Connect first, then correct. Again, come in soft and make sure you're right-sizing it or digesting it first. And that's how we work on that reactivity. Practice it. I promise the more you do that, the more your partner will see you doing that. You're modeling it for them. And then it makes their response softer. And I promise you, they'll start doing it. That reactivity is such a killer in relationships. And for someone who's, you know, we have different styles where we have attack, attack, we have distance and pursue, and we have avoid, avoid. Now be very thoughtful about your roles. If you're attack, attack, you both have to work on the reactivity. If you're avoid, avoid, you have to work on being able to tolerate more intimacy, more vulnerability, and leaning in more and having those difficult conversations. Reactivity can also be in the inverse, such as avoid, avoid. That's a reaction. A reactivity we always think is an intensity. 
or something that's being input. But a reaction, a reactivity can also be the opposite where you're leaning away and you're actually stonewalling and blocking any progress or any change or any connection. So you're being reactive if your response anytime you're approached to have a difficult conversation, which is a mandatory part of any relationship. So if you're not willing to do it, you're not ready to be a partner, but it's always saying, not now, I don't wanna hear it, you're always complaining. Those are all avoidant tactics. And that's gonna be the next thing we're gonna talk about is avoidance. So this reactivity, is swooping right into the next one. So the first issue a lot of couples have is disconnection, then reactivity, and we're gonna again move in the next segment to react to uh, avoidance. But right now, remember reactivity can be towards or away from. It can be intensity or complete avoidance and stonewalling, and we don't want that either. So start to identify like what's my what's our pattern as as a couple, and also for distance and pursuer. The pursuer needs how to settle down and regulate so that the so that the distancer doesn't have to cut and run because it's overwhelming and not safe to stay connected and listen. And that that um, distancer also needs to stay put and be open and not stonewall. That's because again, it's attack, attack, avoid, avoid, and then distance pursue. Because remember, if you're not safe to be connected with, people will always be hitting the road. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about the. Uh, top relational issues that most couples tend to fall into. And then we'll be doing some DMs. So stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we are back and we're talking about the top issues that couples couples tend to struggle with. I know it's the same stuff over and over. It comes up in different ways, has different causes. And that's what I was talking about in the uh, first couple of segments is Make sure you don't just identify, which is what we're trying to do so that we can say, hey, this is what it is. We can track when it happens and we can work on improving it. Identifying it and giving it a label can also help identify the solution. But we also wanna make sure we ask, how did we get here? What was this a solution for? Because these these are ways we're trying to solve something, not effectively, uh, not sustainably, but they're attempts at a solution. So you have to say, how did we get here? What, what is driving this? That's important too. But uh, we were talking about disconnection, reactivity. Now we're talking about avoidance, which has pieces of the other ones in it. And uh, intimacy buffers, they're whatever we use as a way to not be connected, to not be accessible or easily connected with or to kind of be present while not fully being present. Like when you're on your phone, when someone's talking to you, it's like, hey, I'll kind of be here while not being here. Um, and then we also use substances like drugs and alcohol as a way of like, my, I'm physically here, but mentally I want to be kind of only partially here. All sorts of stuff. And you want to identify that in yourself first. Am I, am I able to be accessed? Am I, am I fully present? Am I available and am I willing? So it's not just how clear is my mind, it's also my willing to sitting here calmly and listening because some people stonewall, they find ways to reactively lean out or run away, not now, you're always nagging. And again, remember, if you're approaching someone, you have to be safe to be connected with. So if you're always coming at people with a lot of intensity, cranking up the dial, well, understandably, they're gonna stonewall you and lean out or distance. You have to make sure you're doing your work first, which is why we're talking about the reactivity, which is about connecting before you jump into the difficult material and critiquing or correcting. First, right-sizing it, making sure your expression is being expressed with the right languaging and tone that this issue warrants, which is usually lower. And then finally, um, coming in soft. We know that how you start a conversation impacts how it ends. And we're doing it all relationally, which means we're honoring with the tone and the word choice and everything that this is someone I care about and I wanna stay close to. The intimacy buffers we have to look at, like every time your partner comes home and says hello, are you on watching television on the computer or on your phone? Put it down, which goes back to the other skills I'm always talking about, which is what? 
Because again, side note, we're working on being able to tolerate more intimacy. We're working on being able to regulate and deal with more difficult material. So that, that's, that's, that's where all the change comes in. So these things are active ways to, it's two things happening. It's one, it's, it's um, actively solving a direct you know, problem in the relationship, disconnection, reactivity, avoidance, but it's also us shifting, it's developmental. I, I love that. It's, it's, it has this developmental element where we are learning new skills, resolving former triggers and complexes, and uh, reorganizing ourselves, becoming a more relational being. So that's why if we're never available mentally because we're on drugs and alcohol or focused on technology, well, then that's a form of avoidance. What, is, what are you trying to avoid? Ask yourself that, that I don't really want to be present with this person. I don't really want to be present in this relationship or I have other things I, I'm struggling and, and dealing with. Really look at what that is um, <clears throat> and removing those. You know, that's why I always go back to what I was going to say a minute ago was one thing at a time. If someone's talking to you, be present with them, put your phone down. And if you need to be on your phone, tell them, give me one moment. I need to be on my phone. I'll circle back, whatever it is, but call that out. Um, avoidance is something that also starts to shut down the relationship and goes to the first thing we talked about earlier in the show, disconnection, because if your partner's always trying to come to you or connect with you and you're never accessible or available, or you're always kind of leaning out and shutting it down, well, they're going to stop, which is why whenever your partner tries to connect with you, find a way to honor that. Um, even sexually, it doesn't, you don't have to say, yes, let's have sex or let's have intercourse. You say, you know, I don't really want to do that, but here's what I am down to do. Let's cuddle. Let me give you a massage instead. Let's, let's hold hands and go for a walk or come here and give me a kiss. Maybe another time, or, you know, let's masturbate together or here, I'll watch you masturbate or whatever it is. We have to provide something. And you have to think of that in the emotional psychological as well. No, you might say I've had a hard day. Now's not the best time to really sit down and talk about you know, ongoing issues in our relationship. However, let's just catch up on our day because I would like to connect with you. And then you also say when you will be available to talk, but tomorrow night I would love to sit down when I get home and we can talk about this issue. So you're, you're providing something so that they don't think it's an empty well that they're going to, thereby making them stop going. And then you also say when you would be available for that conversation that you're not willing or interested in having right now. That's how you work away from the avoidance. And the more you do that, your partner will trust that that actually will happen, that my needs will get met, that that conversation will be had, that I can actually feel um, heard, seen, cared for, all the important things that build intimacy. Um, and that also covers what I said earlier about disconnection, because that, that whole conversation which is the, the opposite of avoidance is about then I have eye contact and I'm engaging in touch and I'm present because that's really all relationships are about wanting to have a primary partner who is going to mirror you, who's going to provide borrowed functioning and is going to help co-regulate and is going to be a companion on your journey. So it's just about presence. Presence is such a powerful thing and we need it for the, uh, our entire lifespan. We need it for neurological and nervous system health. You know, we suffer as children without it, but into our adulthood, we tend to really undermine it, legitimize it, but we always need it. It's always important to us. It's always nourishing. It's always necessary. Don't knock it. Sometimes we tell it, we call people needy or codependent. And often it's just that they maybe want more closeness or intimacy than we want, or we can tolerate, which is why I'm always talking about the ability to, you know, extend that window of tolerance so we can handle more, so we can tolerate more, so we can do more. So address which of these pieces though that we're talking about tonight are an issue that you struggle with or that isn't really prevalent in your relationship and start, start to track it. Even if you don't start doing better yet, at least be aware of when these moments are occurring and when you could have. And then magically one day you will start to. 
but we have to at least know what the vision is or the plan. But track, 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 practice, 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 and then the transformation will come. All right, we're gonna come back, keep talking about this, and then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. Past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, binge, post, share, we listen. We're gonna be back though. So uh, stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, just completing our discussion of some of the common relational issues that people have, ways to resolve them. So much work is born in this because remember, it's two things we're doing. We're working on just resolving these actual ongoing issues, but then we're also developmentally shifting and changing by internalizing new skills, getting rid of some old ones that weren't really good or serving us, um, that we tend to uh, take forward. Maybe we've inherited them from family systems. Maybe it's something that was built into us in another relationship or through our social network. And then we keep rolling it forward because that's all the different entry points. Maybe our family lacked these skills and that's why we don't have them available to us. And they really trained us to utilize really ineffective emotional relational skill sets. Or maybe our social group really normalized and validated bad behavior and it strengthened that. Or you're in a past relationship with someone and this is kind of the best way you could figure out how to get through that. So we were talking about disconnection, we were talking about reactivity, we are talking about avoidance. Remember disconnection is, you know, we're not really spending time together, we're not really intersecting. When we are, it's not powerful, it's not meaningful. So it's really, really, really about figuring out why that is. Why do you not wanna be close and connected and how we can build that in and start to prioritize that. Reactivity, of course, is too easily upset and when you are, you're cranking it up and your responses just aren't really appropriate to the level of the severity of what we're talking about or what happened. So you're working on really resolving that. Avoidance, using technology, drugs, alcohol, just shutting down conversations, basically saying, I wanna be here, but I wanna also not be here. So I wanna not be here as much as I can while still being here. So I'm gonna be kind of avoidant. I'll be on my phone when you're talking or watching television or I'll be drunk or high. Never really there to be accessed and to be engaged and we need that. That's part of relational health is presence. And presence means they are fully focused on you. We're having shared experiences. You are there with me. You are mirroring back what I'm feeling. I'm mirroring back what you're feeling and we bond. It's a really powerful, powerful thing. But now we're talking about judgments. A lot of couples are too hung up on what's right, what's wrong, who's good, who's bad, is that fair, is that unfair, all the shoulds, all the rules. So remember, you first off, you have to make sure that your partner agrees. <laughs> Some people just arbitrarily think, well, of course I'm correct. You should that you shouldn't be blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, wait a minute, your partner has their own value system. So you got to check in, they might not agree with you, they might be like, No, I actually think what I'm doing is acceptable and correct. And so it isn't going to change. And whatever vision you have for me, or whatever judgments you have, those are yours. So you have to check in on that. You can't get upset with someone for living their life based on their value system. And some of the things clients are upset about, I'm like, they don't agree with you. And so therefore you can't hold them accountable to that. It has to be a um, shared contract of expectations. It's like for monogamy, for example. I always say to couples, have you talked about what monogamy means, what the uh, gray areas are, what, like, what exactly you're expecting? Because if not, then you're going by your definition and they're going by theirs and you are both correct. You are both dead on correct. I don't care whose is more intense or whose is more traditional. That doesn't mean you're correct. Your partner as an adult gets to decide how they run their life 
and what they hold themselves accountable to. So you have to check in on that. That's the first one. Second, you got to loosen up on those judgments because you really should be saying the priority here is actually staying close and connected. And we're going to disagree and we're going to see things differently. But if we can stay connected and we can repair well, then we can handle all of that. And that's what matters more. It's not me figuring out in a therapy session, who's right, who's wrong. Is that really fair? It's how they go about that discussion, how they honor each person's different position in the situation and how they resolve it at the end. Are they good at repair? That's what matters. And whether it's good or bad is up to them to decide as adults. And then finally, let's look at one other landing point, which is just that, like, what are your distinct value systems? How do you want your life in this relationship to go? And that's got to be, again, what your life is driven by. And we have to soften. We have to make room for these differences because it's not about similarities. It's about how you manage differences. When things are congruent and we see things the same way, that's awesome. That's easy. There's nothing meaningful in that. Um, But when you're using facts, and you're stepping out of judgment and judgment's always very emotional and judgment's always very reactive and you're completely getting away from the point and you just say, Hey, this is what happened or this is what I noticed or this is what I saw. Can we talk this out? Can we talk this through? And you're not swooping in with your reactive judgments. You will, you will find a solution far better and, and far faster, but you have to, you have to approach the ways I said earlier, soft connecting first, all those pieces, but also you have to hold your perspective lightly. You are not correct and they are not wrong, but that's how everyone enters it. Too trusting and too confident in their perspective, their opinion. And so I would always say soften and lessen your grip on your confidence in your experience and your opinion because both of you are correct and you have to be able to process that through. Um, all right, uh, y'all, enough of that. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. DMs come from our Loveland AG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, let us know as you're helping yourself, you're helping someone else out. You know, lots of uh, people <laughs> hear things they didn't know they needed to hear through those DMs. So put those in our uh, DMs on our Loveland AG page, questions, topics, like I said, and past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good stuff over there. Um, yeah, check it out. Check out some of the other shows while you're there. And uh, we'll be back though. So stick around. Lots more to come. You are listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, in the past, I've used going out with friends as my outlet and my escape. But because of pandemic and everything being different, haven't really found other outlets. And I've dist- I've distanced from my friends. I was trying to do home workouts. I was watching my TV shows. Uh, now, it's, now it's making me feel as though I'm missing out and I need to get back out. How do I let my friends know that they're still important to me and reconnect? I think it's always really sweet when people have anxiety about you know their friends thinking that... Um, they don't want to be with them anymore or they've refocused attention. You know, part of good friendship is the ability to sometimes take some time away and some downtime or to be, you know, not as accessible. I think it's really just important to uh, frame it. I'm a big fan of framing what's going on. If I have a hard day at work, I come home and I say, hey, I've had a really hard day. And it's a way of me acknowledging it. It's a way of me letting those around me know we can talk about this. Um, it's me saying I'm going to take accountability. I'm aware. It, it very much softens. And so you can just send a little message to your friend saying, hey, I wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you. I care about you just really struggling to socialize right now but let's connect soon like let people know what's going on otherwise people tend to make up um, reasons for why things are happening and we are often very off or we really catastrophize or dramatize so if you just tell them what's going on then they'll then they'll understand and they'll know that again they can actually talk to you about it that's why us calling out what we're doing i love people being transparent and saying hey i'm struggling right now or right now you know i'm really wanting to say some harsh things but i'm working on not or Calling out our process to others builds empathy. First off, let's start there. Letting them know what's going on for you, literally in the moment or in general. It lets them know what's going on. It makes them feel in control. It gives them language. But again, that empathy piece, they can understand that it's not them, that it's something you're going through. It can also lead them to say, what more do you need? How can I help you? How can I be there with you through this? Um, and sometimes just saying like, hey, let's make plans soon. And you can choose what kind of plans you make. Again, I'm working with people that are just not ready to come barreling out into their social lives. Meet them outside, meet them for coffee. Everything, at least in LA, still is outdoor access. Things have been dragged outside. You can still find things to do that aren't indoors with lots of people. But it's, I think bigger than that's about the vulnerability of framing. This is where I'm at. This is what's going on. Want to let you know I miss you. Want to make sure you weren't thinking something was up that wasn't. And uh, good people will get it. Um, we've got time for another one. This one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, hope you're doing well. Had a question about becoming closer with family. Me and my family never really had a close relationship when I was a kid. Um, I'm older now, 
all my brothers and sisters have kids and I want to meet them all, but I fear that maybe too much time has passed because we really grew apart and haven't spoken in a while. Is there such a thing as it being too late? Never. Listen, I say this to people all the time that you can just start with a conversation. If, if something happened, something was left unsaid, you didn't really feel like you got full closure, you can at any time say to someone, hey, I still have on my mind that conversation we had a few months ago. I wanted to really bring it back up and talk about something. Or, hey, I was thinking about that compliment you gave me last week. I'm still smiling. Or, hey, we never got to. We can circle back to anything, but especially relationships. People are always moving into different contexts and situations in their lives where at one point they weren't as available or they weren't as interested. Now they are. Now things are, you know, have quieted down. So, like, Honor that. They'll honor that. There's no such thing as too much time. It's like I was saying about the earlier question, the transparency. Hey, I've I, I've missed having family. I've missed being a part of your lives. Um, you've been on my mind. I'd love to reconnect. I'd love to see you. I'd love to spend time with you. Let them know what you're thinking and feeling. Let them know what you're worried about. Let them know what you want. And very likely they'll say, yeah, we've missed you. The kids have been asking about you. We've wanted to reach out. We weren't sure how you would feel. We're glad you did. Be transparent. Let them know what you're thinking, feeling, and wanting. And know that we can at any time circle back to a relationship, to a conversation, something really beautiful in that. And healthy people will receive that. It's not about their ego. There's no such thing as it's too late or it's gone too far. They're like, of course, healthy people are always going to be open to reconnection and repair. It's a really beautiful sign. So be that person. Be open to that. But also request that. And you might find out that you're surprised and people might be healthier than you thought and able to give it to you. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow night. Uh, spend the rest of your night focused on leisure. Leisure, 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 rest. Tons of joy and pleasure. Find something you can do that can really give you a little bit of some, you know, burst of some joy. And uh, drop the bar for you and those around you. You know, I really want people to bring in more compassion and kindness. Um, but like I said, we'll be back tomorrow night. Past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Check them out. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. And you all enjoy the rest of your night. Have a good night, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.